You've cracked it. You've made it to the big day. It's a seminal moment in any young man's development. You found the person of your dreams. All those late nights spent swiping on Tinder have come down to this day. No prep talk in the mirror can prepare you for what is about to transpire. You're about to walk down the aisle to the love of your life. And who is that? The boys, of course. It's your stag do, and you're about to embark on a day filled with the three B's. Booze, boobs, and bad choices. But how do we get to this point? How did we start with banquets all the way back in 500 BC and then get to challenges, strip clubs, and regrettable face tattoos? Let's find out. Grab a coffee, tea, or a hot beverage of your choice, and let's unpack. So for this one, we're going to need to wind the tape all the way back to 500 BC. Things of note in 500 BC? Not much. What? I kid, I kid, 500 BC signals the world population reaching approximately 100 million, split between Eastern and Western Hemisphere, but for our little expedition, we'll dock into Sparta. But please mind the step when you do, there's a couple angry Spartans. This is Sparta! As I was saying, there are a couple angry Spartans around the place. At this point in time, Sparta was one of the larger Greek city-states. Now, due to a number of factors including rigorous military training, poor nutrition, and lack of healthcare, life wasn't that great. The majority of Spartans frequently died quite young, so it's not that surprising that they relished any opportunity to party. Spartans would toast? Wait, hold on, come on. This is Sparta, let's add a little bass and testosterone to that. Oh baby, much better. They were toast grooms to be either in celebration or lamentation of their last night of singledom. So already we're seeing the idea that when a man gets married, his loyalty is somewhat conflicted. And his soon-to-be wife is a threat to the brotherhood. That's important. Remember it. So the term bachelor. Looking at the etymology of the word, it refers to young, unmarried man, which still rings true in essence to this day. Now, since 500 BC, they've really taken on a life of their own. There are many accounts of bachelor parties between then and the 1800s, but a pretty iconic one took place in 1896. According to Time magazine, Herbert Barnum Seeley threw a bachelor party for his young brother that was raided by police after rumours circulated that a famous belly dancer would be performing nude. Now in 1945, Jimmy Stewart, who according to many websites, epitomised the American ideal, yeah, I mean, I guess whatever that means, he ended up marrying Gloria McLean. His infamous bachelor party bash at the Beverly Hills included, and I kid you not, I had to corroborate this with multiple sources, people with dwarfism, dressed in diapers, popping out of a serving dish. Bruh. Now, more modern stag do's to show you how the 1% live, despite mutually agreeing that there wouldn't be any strippers in attendance to John Legend's stag do, Chrissy Teigen actually organized them herself and paid strippers to head to the bachelor's party. And I'll give you one more for the true hardcore stag do organizers. This poor fella Ollie was with his future wife, who was in on the scam, driving along when 16 masked men blocked the road, pulled the unsuspecting stag out the car, bound and gagged him, and threw him into the back of a black van. He was then driven 10 miles away, stripped, and made to wear a mankini, and then given a rusty old bike, 
a map in order to ride the 10 miles to his stag do. Ollie actually managed to get shingles from this prank kidnapping, and as it's extremely contagious, he was not allowed to see his fiancée for the month before his wedding. And when you take a trip down the New Zealand media rabbit hole, I find articles like Man Arrested After Security Guard Assaulted With Dildo During Stag Do, an ACC showing $66,000 worth of claims made for stag do's and Hindus within a two-year span. And sadly, a man passing away at a stag do. Wait, no, he was actually killed by a stag- Damn. But look, it's not all doom and gloom. Let me tell you about my stag do experience. Now, so far, I've excellently executed the role of always the bridesmaid, never the bride, so I've actually attended four stag do's. They've each had the core elements of the historical stag do's. The booze, the boobs, sorry, that must have been in the draft script. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, they've been filled with a lot. Yeah, the stag do's have been filled with a lot. There were challenges, some funny, crass, painful, and vetoed. There was drinking, some relaxed, binging, unhealthy, and peer pressured. There was sport, some entertaining, social, competitive, and borderline dangerous. And finally, there was banter, some funny, targeted, marginal, and downright problematic. And let me address what I mean when I say problematic. No, it's not the notion that men are coming together to socialize and celebrate. That's beautiful and we love to see it. It's also not the centering of sport or the presence of alcohol. It's the idea that in getting married, the bride-to-be is shackling him and stealing him from the quote-unquote lads. Trapping him in a life of Thursday night missionary, Friday night book club, and Saturday brunch with the mother-in-law. That the presence and control over his life strips away his manhood and violates his unwritten code amongst men of bros before the hoes. It's the vilifying of women which to me is problematic. And while in isolation you'll brush this off with a feeble defense of boys will be boys or we're just joking in its throwaway comments, but in fact... They actually perpetuate ideas that are extremely damaging. It's the foundation of the rape culture pyramid. The rape culture pyramid is a way of understanding how sexual violence is perpetuated by everyday social attitudes and behaviours that create a culture where sexual violence is condoned, trivialised, and eventually normalised. So for our context, all these jokes and throwaway comments normalize harmful ideas of gender and behavior that ultimately contribute to rape culture. And to reiterate, stag do's don't inherently endorse this behavior or perpetuate the pyramid. Men celebrating each other is great, but some aspect of stag do's can and do contribute to these dangerous, dangerous ideas. Above all else, it speaks to a pretty narrow definition of what it means to be a man in New Zealand and promotes harmful stereotypes of relationships sex, and women. Maybe the stag enjoys being an Instagram boyfriend and taking boomerangs at poppies. Or maybe he actually loves being snuggled up on a Friday night watching Love Island. I do, and you know what? I had a bad feeling about Faye from early on. Something was always off. But if for some reason he doesn't religiously watch Love Island, that's also fine. Relationships are about sacrifice and compromise. Doing things for your partner because you love them, and that goes both ways. And trust, that isn't solely my stag do experience. I canvassed YouTube for any slash all videos of stag do's in New Zealand, and the experience seemed to be the same. It was filled with men playing sport, drinking lots, and in line with problematic banter, 
admonishing the idea that the friend was getting married and apparently giving the keys away to their life to their wife. But I do repeat, it isn't all doom and gloom. Now, unbeknownst to me, stag do's actually have rules. According to Business Insider, there are seven stag do rules you need to follow so you don't wake up sunburned and stuck on a roof. We'll take a look at five of them. If you're the best man, you're the party planner. The groom pays for nothing. The guest list is the groom's call. No hazing. And don't act like you're at a frat party. Okay, so yeah, plenty of good ones and some kind of weird ones. But how about an application? So when you think of stag do's, what is the pinnacle? What is the quintessential example of a stag do? Yup. That's right, it's The Hangover. For many, this was the introduction to stag do's. Four men embarking on a drunk-filled escapade, which ended in, well, it really, yeah, it wasn't great. But I wanted to put it to the test. I've got my rules, and I've got my example. So let's see. How well does The Hangover 1 score out of 5? Let's dive in after a quick break. If you're listening to this, you're hearing part two of the three-part series where I essentially talk about things that have been in my mind recently. Last week, I looked at athlete activism and what place that has in New Zealand, and next week, I'm going to be looking at tall poppy syndrome. Now, that one's going to be a Patreon exclusive, so if you'd like to hear the episode, you're going to need to sign up. Link is in the description for this episode, and you can also find it in our bio on Instagram, at unpacknz. Truly the best way to show support to any podcast is to share with a friend, so share it with a friend. Now let's get back to breaking down The Hangover. So point one, best man equals party planner. Now the movie didn't outwardly state that going to Vegas was Phil's idea, but given his dedication to the Brotherhood of Silence... So I want to talk about memory. No, better yet, I want to talk about selective memory. You see... Whatever happens here tonight may as well never have happened at all, because this circle's about as far as it's ever gonna go. In other words, forget everything. Doug, I'm serious, I got a wife and kid. Okay, good or bad, we don't remember, so we got nothing to talk about. Nothing, guys, nothing. I'm pretty comfortable stating that it's his idea, and during the wedding itself, he's standing closest to Doug, implying that he's the best man, so the hangover is off to a good start, one from one. Point two. The groom doesn't pay. Now this one's a little murky, but we can see from the drive to Vegas that Stu pays for the snacks, and when they get to their accommodation, they put Stu's card on file for the villa. Lisa, I apologize. How much is the villa? Well, we have one villa available, and it's 4200 for the night. Is it awesome? It's pretty awesome. We'll take it. Give her your credit card. I can't give her my credit card. We'll split it. Are you crazy? No, this is on us. You don't get it. Melissa checks my statements. Well, we just need a credit card on file. We won't charge you anything until you check out, so you can figure it out then. Perfect. That's perfect. Thank you, Lisa. And we'll deal with it tomorrow. Come on. Fine. Now, we don't see any footage of them leaving the hotel, so I can't confidently state who actually paid for their stay, but there's no evidence of Doug paying for anything during the entire film, so two from two, let's keep it moving. Point three. The guest list is the groom's decision. Now, early on in this cinematic classic, you get the idea that Alan is only invited because of his brother-in-law status. You know, if you want to go to Vegas without me, that is totally cool, you know? What are you talking about? Well, you know, Phil and Stu, they're your buddies, and it's your bachelor party, and 
Come on, Alan. Those two love you. You know, so I, I, I so don't want you to feel like you have to hold back because your wife's brother's there. You know, it's, it's not like that. Okay, we're just spending the night in Vegas. It's no big deal. Besides, you're not just my wife's brother. You're my brother now. And this is reinforced by the fact that Tracy, the wife-to-be, literally thanks Doug for taking Alan on the trip shortly after that scene. Now in addition, Phil forgets who Alan is, even though he's met him a few times prior. Who's this? It's Alan. Tracy's brother. I met you like four times. Oh yeah. How you doing, man? I think it's fair to say that in Doug's ideal world, Alan wouldn't be present, but we can't conclusively state that from what we saw, so we'll give them a half point. Point four, no hazing. Yeah, they did a pretty good job, unless you count Doug falling asleep after the stag do and the rest of them picking up his mattress and putting it on the roof while Doug is still asleep. Is that the mattress from Doug's room? What the fuck? Hey, man, what, what's going on here? Some asshole threw his bed out the window last night. Oh shit. Yeah. Some guys just can't handle Vegas. So actually it's a pretty poor effort, it's a zero from me. Now point five, don't act like you're at a frat party. I'll just play this. This. So tonight, I make a toast. Oh, what? What do you got there? Oh, oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh fuck yeah. yeah. What are you doing? What is that? Blood Brothers. Which to me are all pretty key components of a frat party. The boys are driving down the motorway with a convertible, Alan is screaming Vegas while Phil is the cool guy drinking out back, the objectification, then the sacrifice of the Blood Brothers. So out of 5, 2.5, which is a pass mark to the credit. But now it's down to you. How has your Stag Do experience been? Let me know. <laughs>